Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you reflect, think, and really plan your remodeling business. What I try to do is I take different topics and thought leaders, and we have interviews and different discussions, but also, you know, I try to keep my ear to the ground and listen to what's relevant out in the marketplace. This podcast series is supported by the National Association of Remodeling Industry, NERI, as well as Professional Remodeler, and produced by my friends at Surefire Local. You know, the topic I want to get into today is, needless to say, very, very relevant, and I think really touches a chord for many. And that's the whole issue of stress. So needless to say, these are incredibly stressful times. You know, unfortunately, the levels of stress for some, uh, you know, are greater than others. And I think by understanding stress, you certainly will be able to create strategies to be able to manage it. I think as leaders in the remodeling industry, this is probably as important when it comes to development of your team and really creating the right culture as it is with sales, leads, and other things that are important elements of your business. So I'm certainly not a psychologist, but many, many years ago, I had a home remodeling radio show, and I used to bring on guests on the radio show. And one of my guests on a regular basis was a psychologist, and we would discuss kind of the living through or the psychological effects and emotional effects of living through remodeling. And one of the things he used to talk about pretty regularly is that remodeling for a homeowner out there is a very stressful process. And why is it a stressful process? And he used to talk about and unpack in a little bit more of a scientific way the elements of stress. Now, one of the ones that I really want to highlight that I think is a nice segue into your stress today and your team and your business's stress is the element of overwhelm. You know, if you think about overwhelm in terms of just almost using the metaphor of a juggler for a minute here, you know, if I give you, for example, one ball to toss up and down, you can kind of do it in your sleep. If I give you two, most people can do that and still kind of carry on a conversation with someone. However, if I give you six or seven balls, they all end up on the floor. Maybe if I give you three, That's the right kind of place where it's kind of pushing your comfort zone and you're still able to do it. The point is, today, there's six, seven, eight, I think, balls that we're juggling when it comes to kind of variables out there, variables in terms of the environment, variables in terms of your business, variables in terms of things that are going on that really have created, I think, a degree of stress that's really quite great. The second element in terms of understanding stress is that it, it, there's a tremendous amount of change that's out there. You know, with these uncertain times, it creates a lot of change. What you're doing this week, if all of a sudden you get the news from the governor about different things that are happening in terms of restrictions, you have to adjust and you have to change. You also have to think about, you know, this notion of uh, people working at home. And I would also say, I heard recently the term living at work. And that's really what people are experiencing. And that's a tremendous amount of stress and change that's going on. And that stress and change, I think, is like a a cloud that's overhead and just creating a lot of weight in terms of how people are feeling. 
Also, another element that's important to this topic is the notion of the speed at which everything's happening. You know, if you really think about it like you're driving along, if you're driving along at 40, 50 miles an hour, you can not only make sure you're staying in between the lanes, but you can kind of enjoy the view. You step that up to 70, 80 miles an hour, you really focus on, you know, the cars around you and what's ahead. But today, it's even much faster than that. So our reaction to the speed at which things are taken, it creates a level of intensity and stress that's really having an effect on us. So when you look at this whole element of the kind of the overwhelm and the changes and the uncertainty that's happening out there, and then the speed at which we're thrown these things, it makes a tremendous amount of stress that's out there. Now, the key to all this is how do you deal with this stress? How do you understand it? Now, as you know, in some earlier podcasts and certainly the art of time mastery, I'm a huge believer that a big part of mastering your time and getting better at things is, in fact, the result of that is managing and reducing the amount of stress. If you're using a great time mastery or great time management system and you're getting in balance that proactive and reactive time, you're going to set the stage so you work that day. You don't necessarily just react to that day. Then at the end of the day, you feel fulfilled, you feel happy, and you feel much better. So taking a few more insights as it relates to kind of balancing and maybe understanding and feeling a bit healthier about stress. Now, I've always, when I've talked about stress, and even in the business fitness book I wrote, it's really more about having the right level of stress, not low stress or high stress. Now, one way to think about this, again, a little bit more visually or metaphorically, is think of it like a rubber band. You know, the pile of rubber bands in your drawer, they're just limp. They're not doing you any good, quite frankly, just sitting there. There's no stress involved on that rubber band at all. It's just sitting there, but it's certainly not functioning and being productive. You take that same rubber band and you put it on, let's say, some blueprints, roll up the blueprints and you put the rubber. All of a sudden, it's not only serving a purpose, but the right size rubber band goes with the right set of blueprints. So it's the right level of stress on that rubber band. Take that a step further and you stretch it even further and that that rubber band will snap. Now, as you think about your stress, it's very similar to that. I think there's a lot of people, very few people out there that have no stress right now or a limp rubber band. There's some that I think is the right level, and there's some, quite frankly, that have stressed that the rubber band's starting to really fray a little bit. What you have to do is you have to have the right level of rubber band, have the right tools in place to be able to manage and and kind of balance that level of stress. I think the other element that you need to think about is way to manage and be a little bit healthier out there is that we have always been planners. We've always looked out. Maybe it's six months. Maybe it's 12 months out to the future. We've looked out into the horizon. As I've talked about on earlier podcasts, we're kind of driving through the fog. The reality is that this week, we kind of know what's going on in terms of certainty. But as we project out even as early as three, four weeks from now, we're just not knowing what is out there on the horizon. And because of that uncertainty, it's creating a level of stress. So what can you do about that? 
I saw recently and certainly did a podcast on this that I think was a great topic. And that's redefine the year. Redefine the year as a 12-week year, not a 12-month year. And what happens with a 12-week year is you have a beginning, you have a middle, and you have an end. It's a short enough cycle that you can actually leverage the things that you're more certain on and the things that you're not certain on. You can allow them to be out in the future and not worry about that game. You know, Davey Martinez with the Washington Nationals, when they won the World Series in 2019, said, we want to go 1-0. and you know, we want to go one and oh. That's really what it's about. You, you want to have a great day. You want to have a very good week. And you want to hopefully have a good two or three weeks or a month. But the reality is beyond that, you're really not sure. So try to focus on the short-term certainty that's out there. And I think when you do that and have really wins and you're making hay on a daily and weekly basis, it's going to make you feel better then predicting things and then have them be wrong and have a lot of calories that are wasted there. The third thing I think when it comes to stress is the whole notion of don't go it alone. Now, you know, we actually had a podcast series just on this topic where I interviewed, I think, Erica Taylor on this subject and not going it alone. You know, you may have heard the adage before, misery loves company. And this is true. Misery loves company. However, Added to that, the most successful people say, and I'm not going to participate. That means, for example, with all the news and the media bombarding you with all the horrific things that are happening out there, you know, back off of that. Don't participate in all of that media hype of how awful everything is and really focus on building a little community around you that you can actually not feel like you're going alone. Now, there's many of these communities around you that we certainly talked about on earlier podcasts. You have the associations with NARI or NHP. You know, that's a community of people that have, you know, similar interests, similar kinds of business units, and they can talk to each other. We've certainly developed some roundtable groups with, uh, in partnership with uh, a remodeling, uh, a professional remodeler that also is doing that. There's also other organizations that you can join. For example, Vistage or Remodeling Advantage or others that really give you, I think, that opportunity to have relationships with other people, but not necessarily going it alone. So again, in summary for for a minute here, you know, this level of stress is out there. It's coming from the environment. You have a lot of headwinds. It's kind of a little bit of a perfect storm, certainly as we move into Q4. And because of all those factors out there, you need to go overboard making management and controlling the stress a priority. And this is not only for you and certainly for your family. It's also for your leadership team, and it's also for the full uh, team members within your organization, as well as certainly your alliance partners. So again, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Stay tuned. We have a great thought leader interview here coming up. And I think that'll just further give you more insights of how to take your game to the next level. Take care, everyone. Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. I'm your host, Mark Richardson. And today we're uh, having a conversation with one of our remodeling thought leaders. He's been a regular 
on the podcast, Kermit Baker. Kermit is really has multiple hats, uh, but certainly I think he's got probably as good of a sense of, you know, some of the uh, insights in terms of uh, kind of the future of remodeling and, and, and what's happening and kind of the why behind it. He actually leads the Remodeling Futures Group at Harvard University, as well as the chief uh, economist with the American Institute of Architects. So, uh, Kermit, welcome. These are uh, very, very interesting times. So, kind of, uh, what, what, what's your take on things? Never, never a dull moment dealing with the remodeling industry, Mark. You're absolutely right. So, you know, for the last three or four months, um, I have to say the remodeling industry uh, continues to surprise us on the upside. Um, you know, I think we were all, uh, to some extent, preparing for the worst when, when the pandemic broke and, 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 and saw the worst for, um, uh, you know, really March and April, as, as a lot of contractors are telling us that their phones stopped ringing. But then, you know, kind of flip over to calendar to May, and ever since, it's been a very strong market. And just a lot of activity going on, and it doesn't seem to be letting up at all. So what do you think, if you had to list, you know, a few of the whys behind it? Why is remodeling so strong? Because, you know, we certainly, it's not natural to think about any of the verticals being especially strong in, in a pandemic. It's not typical for remodeling, which has a big discretionary element to it, you know, a project you can do now, but you don't have to do now. Uh, being strong during a recession, Mark, I think that's our traditional wisdom here is that uh, when, when things get tough, you, you sort of scale back on the things you don't really need to have to do. And there's a lot of remodeling that falls in that don't need to have to do. And so that's, I think, why we were expecting weaker times to show up uh, um, you know, when, when the economy stalled as, as, as rapidly as it did. What about, uh, you know, I know one of the key indications that you look at at Harvard with the remodeling activity is certainly home appreciation, but kind of the flip side of that is also unemployment. Uh, we've seen, obviously, unemployment, you know, improve. However, you know, unemployment is still relatively high out there, but still remodeling remains strong. Any kind of sense of that kind of being a little bit counterintuitive? Yeah, no, that's, that's been one of the dilemmas here, I think, is, you know, the economy weak, unemployment that, uh, you know, just recently dropped below 10% nationally, so uh, uh, still, still very high. And, you know, um, a lot of people that were getting their, their federal uh, add-on to unemployment insurance uh, lost that as the end of July. So, so a, a little bit surprising, but I think what we're finding out are a couple Mark. Uh, one is, you know, we've, we've discussed quite a bit is that people are spending more time at the home, in their home and they're using their home differently than they did before. And therefore, they need to have that home reflect that it's an office, it's a school, it's, it's an entertainment center, it's a recreation center, it's their gym. And, uh, um, you know, and they may well have kids coming back and living with them or parents uh, uh, coming and, and, and moving in with them. And so they just need more space and more activity uh, to support there. And I, and I think that's, that's why they're doing it, number one. Number two, it's, it's been a funny recession. It's been a very much a, 
sort of what I would call a blue collar uh, hourly worker kind of recession. Um, you know, what's been hit has been hospitality and, 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 and hotels and, and uh, restaurants and, uh, you know, a, a lot of industries that, that, you know, as I say, support a lot of blue collar and hourly workers that have not traditionally been sort of the backbone of the remodeling industry, I think. And so, that segment that is really worried and very nervous about how they should be spending their money um, hasn't historically been uh, very involved in the remodeling industry. A few more renters in that, you know, a higher proportion of renters and other things, you know, not the, not the homeowners that, that traditionally have spent uh, uh, the most on home improvement projects. Now, one of the elements that is also interesting, and it's from some of the, you know, data you've certainly shared is, uh, how you know housing uh, is is uh, relatively strong, but we're also seeing relative to the new houses being very or the market being very strong. We're also seeing kind of movement of you know of homeowners moving you know more into the suburban areas and things like that. Which you know as you've certainly talked about in the past, you know just the activity and the movement of things uh, oftentimes has a pretty big influence on uh, the remodeling spend. Remodeling is part of the broader residential market. And I think ultimately they, it, it's very closely tied with what's going on. I mean, the conventional wisdom was you either, either trade up or you fix up your current home. But I think, you know, as we've discovered that when you do trade up, you often fix up that home that you're, that you're purchasing. So, you know, a vibrant housing market, strong housing starts, strong house price appreciation, a lot of mobility, a lot of existing home sales mean good things for the home improvement industry. And, and we're seeing all of those now. I mean, uh, talked about remodeling being surprisingly strong. It's really part of a, it, it's reading, really riding on the coattails of a very strong residential market, I think. Probably, probably the strongest sector in our economy right now. So as we, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but you probably have a clearer sense of you know, what looks like in the horizon a little bit better than most. Uh, when you look out into Q4, uh, what does that look like to you yep. as it relates to the home improvement industry? Yeah, exactly. So, so we still have these strong fundamentals that we talked about, a strong housing market, strong existing home sales, strong house, house price appreciation. Um, and we're seeing a lot of refinance activity to take advantage of that house price appreciation. And that often is, is, kind of fueled back into the home in terms of home improvement spending. So th there are a lot of positives out there. I, I think there's also reasons to be concerned. Um, and, and, and number one is, you know, we've seen this rash of home improvement expenditures to retrofit your home to your new, you know, kind of pandemic lifestyle, if you will. Um, now, at what point do households say, hey, I guess we're all set on that. You know, we have the home office working. We've got the kids set up in a room so they can, uh, they can do virtual education and other sorts of things. It, it, is there the need moving forward to, to, to continue to do the projects at the pace that they were doing them over the spring and early summer? That, that's number one. Number two, I think we, we shouldn't forget that there was a very strong safety net under key pieces of the economy for the first three or four months of this recession. I talked about the uh, extended unemployment insurance benefit, 600 bucks a week. That's a lot of money at tapped on, to, tapped on to, to money you're already getting uh, from your state unemployment insurance office. Number two, 
a lot of small businesses uh, were able to get these payroll protection program loans, and that allowed them to keep uh, more more of their employees on, on, on the payroll than might be otherwise. Now, you know, will we see a round two of these sort of safety nets? You know, we're, we're now six weeks into the expiration of it, uh, of, the, of the federal unemployment benefits, and nothing has happened. There's some talk that we may see some bipartisan uh, a package come through that would certainly be encouraging. Um, but I think, you know, to the extent we don't, uh, we could see another slowdown in the economy. And, and I think that's, um, that, that, is, that is worrisome, I think. You know, our, when, when do we really get back to a self-sustaining uh, recovery? And, and we're not there yet. And it's going to take, I think, a while to get there without a bit more uh, help from the federal government. The, the Federal Reserve Board has done what it can do. It's saying interest rates are zero and they're going to stay at zero for the next few years. Um, but I think we need a little more on the fiscal side. I think we need something out of Congress to support that. So if you look at this, uh, certainly there's a lot of home improvement activities, but more globally in terms of kind of the market and what have you, you know, one of the things I've been certainly talking about on the podcast is this kind of shift that, you know, this isn't a 5K or 10K, it's really kind of more of a marathon. And I think, you know, one of the common questions I'm getting from a lot of folks, Kermit, that you might have at a minimum, at least an opinion on, and that is, you know, how long is this going to last? You know, is this a a six-month, 12-month, 18-month? I mean, how do I get my head around kind of the longevity of this. Yeah, and, and, and I think I can, I think I can't give you the answer to that, Mark, but I can give you some of the things that we need to watch for for that. Um, it was, you know, I think as, as you're suggesting, originally thought to be sort of a three-month V-shape uh, recession. Go down for a month and a half, come back in a month and a half, and, 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 and business, you know, life is back to normal after that. And now we're seeing this, you know, we're, 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 we're now really seeing the pandemic extend itself um, you know, we're talking, you know, been more talk about when do we have a vaccine? When do we have a vaccine in sufficient quantities that it can really uh, accommodate folks? Um, I, I, I am, I, I guess I'm saying that kind of, you know, almost best case scenario is we're probably halfway through 2021 before there's anything that looks like a normal economy. So I think we've got another nine months of sort of a bit of a roller coaster here, a bit of up and down, but, but certainly not back to where we were as of, you know, February of 2020. Excellent. Well, I think uh, certainly that longevity is going to make for many more conversations with Kermit Baker on this topic, since uh, uh, this is really not just a snapshot. It's certainly a movie, and, and we're going to look for those additional conversations and chapters as we're moving through, you know, Q4 and into 2021. So I want to thank Kermit Baker. Again, he's the uh, director, heads up the Remodeling Futures Program at Harvard University, as well as uh, chief architect, uh, I'm sorry, chief economist. Uh, Maybe that was your dream to be the architect. That's why you uh, join the AIA, but uh, chief economist with the American Institute of Architects. Thank you, Kermit, for joining us today and uh, look forward to talking to everybody soon. Always great to join you, Mark. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Sharefire Local. 
You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 